Hey everyone, I'm Martin. I'm a student minister at our church. We've got uh, a great passage today. It's quite a long passage. Um, just then we read from chapter 12, verses 1 to 12. We're also going to be looking at the section before that as well, chapter 11, verses 37, uh, from verse 37. So it would be good to have your Bibles out, chapter 11, verse 37 onwards. Big chunk. It would be good to ask God for his help. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this good treasure before us. So we pray you'd help us to delight in it, to rejoice in it, help us to listen carefully to it. We pray now you'd help me to speak carefully, clearly, faithfully, and that all of us together would learn. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. A few weeks ago, our church was celebrating Mission Month. We learn about how God is growing his kingdom, like a small mustard seed growing into a great mustard tree. We saw how God is working through people, us, to share the good news of salvation to others. We learned that Jesus' mission is to save people from their sins. And I was convicted about how important it was to share the good news about Jesus with others. So, a couple of days after Mission Sunday, my wife Olivia and I, we caught up with some of our friends. They didn't know about Jesus. This was the perfect opportunity to talk to them about him. They didn't know me well, so I shared about what I do during the week. I go to Bible college. I'm training to become a pastor. It was the perfect opportunity to share with them about Jesus. But I chickened out. I didn't want them to think badly of me. So I just said it was a busy semester. I was keen to have a break. I didn't say anything about Jesus. And I felt like a hypocrite. See, beforehand, I had I told my Bible study, my Connect Kids group, my youth group, I told them to share the gospel. And then now, I had this opportunity to share the gospel, but I wasn't taking up that opportunity. I felt like a hypocrite. Now, I'd like to ask you, have you ever been in that situation? Now, I recognize that that question already assumes that you think it's important to tell people about Jesus. And I don't think that's all of us. So if that's not you, I just want to say I'm really glad you're here. I hope to show you that the good news about Jesus really is good news. It's good news worth paying attention to. But if you're someone who does already believe that the good news about Jesus really is good news, how have you been going about sharing that good news with others? Are there ever times when you felt like you haven't done what you think you should? Where you haven't taken opportunities to share the gospel? Have there been times when you've been a bit hypocritical, where your actions don't match up with your words? Well, in our passage today, Jesus tells us his honest thoughts about hypocrisy. It's much more detailed than I thought. Let's look at it together. In this passage, one of the Jewish leaders wants to have dinner with Jesus. He's a Pharisee. So the Pharisee invites Jesus over for dinner, and Jesus says, yes. Now the Pharisees, they have rules about washing before eating. It's not just because of good hygiene. There's no new COVID variant to be cautious about. No, they added these rules, because, and they said, you need to wash before eating to be ritually pure, to be righteous before God. So when Jesus doesn't wash, the Pharisee is surprised. Let's look together, Luke chapter 11, 
verses 37 and 38. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Well, Jesus is not pleased with the Pharisee. He knows that the Pharisees are hypocrites. They care about looking good on the outside, but they're evil inside. So Jesus calls them out for it. They clean the outside of the cups and dishes, but inside they're greedy and wicked. On the outside, they give a tenth of their herbs to God, but on the inside, they don't care about justice. They have no love for God. In fact, they're like unmarked graves. On the outside, just a regular piece of grassy land, but buried on the inside is a dead and rotting body. The Pharisees were hypocrites. They forgot that God made both the outside and the inside. God cares about both the outside and the inside. And so the Pharisees, they should have cared about both as well. They had neglected the state of their hearts. They let their hearts become wicked. Jesus calls them out for it in verses 39 to 44. Let's read that together from verse 39. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people! Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. That's intense. It's not your usual friendly dinnertime conversation. But Jesus doesn't stop there. There are other religious leaders as well. They're called experts in the law. And one of them realizes that what Jesus is saying about the Pharisees also applies to him too. So he's offended. But Jesus knows that the experts in the law are just as bad. And he rebukes them too. They tell people they need to follow all these different rules to be righteous before God. Extra rules not found in the scriptures. But they're hypocritical. They won't help people to actually follow these rules. In fact, their ancestors killed the prophets. And these experts in the law, they celebrated in these deaths. They haven't helped people to understand God's scriptures. They're supposed to be experts and teachers of the law, but they don't help people to understand that God's law really is about his Messiah. So the experts in the law are hypocrites. The Pharisees are hypocrites. Jesus condemns them. He says that this whole generation of religious leaders will be judged by God. Their hypocrisy leads to their condemnation. Let's read of Jesus' rebuke in verses 45 to 52. Verse 45. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. 
so you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you built the tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. Well, the Pharisees and the experts in the law, they didn't have humility, the humility to learn from Jesus. So they're offended by him. And when Jesus leaves, they try to figure out how to trap Jesus with difficult questions. Verses 53 and 54. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Well, after Jesus leaves them, he's surrounded by thousands of people. They're pressing in on each other. They're wanting to hear Jesus speak. But Jesus speaks first to his disciples. Here's a warning for them. See, already he's condemned the Pharisees for being hypocrites. And now he wants to make sure his disciples don't turn into hypocrites as well. So he warns them. He tells them to be on their guard against hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is dangerous because it's like yeast. Yeast, yeast is what is added to bread to make it rise. It grows. It spreads. It spreads throughout the whole of the bread unless you were to remove it altogether. And that's the same as hypocrisy as well. The disciples need to be on guard against hypocrisy because hypocrisy can easily grow and spread to them too. Let's read chapter 12, verse 1. I think this is the most important verse of this whole passage. So let's pay attention to what Jesus says here. Verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Jesus is warning his disciples about hypocrisy, to be on guard against hypocrisy. The first way, or... Sorry. So now he gives them three ways to fight against hypocrisy. Three ways to fight against hypocrisy. The first way is to know that everything will be revealed. Hypocrites, well, they sometimes think that, well, what's on the outside is what matters, and what is on the inside will remain hidden. But the truth is that the hidden things will be revealed. It might happen in this lifetime. I'm reminded last year there was this Christian leader who was exposed for his sexual misconduct. He tried to hide adultery and abuse, but his hidden actions were eventually revealed. His hypocrisy was clear to everyone. But hidden things will be ultimately revealed when Jesus returns, when Jesus judges everyone and all they have done. All things will be revealed, including hypocrisy. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the air and the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. That's the first way to fight hypocrisy, to know that everything will be revealed. 
The second way to fight hypocrisy is to fear God and fear God alone. Now, no one wakes up and thinks, I'm going to be a hypocrite today. I think people don't do that because they're not just trying to be hypocrites for the sake of being hypocrites. People usually have some sort of reason for their hypocrisy. The Pharisees, well, I think they were hypocrites because they were driven by selfishness, power, self-righteousness. Those things led to their hypocrisy. But what about the disciples? What might lead them to be hypocrites? I suspect it was the fear of other people. See, they knew it was important to follow Jesus, to preach the good news about the kingdom of God. But there was opposition. There were the Pharisees and the experts in the law. There were people persecuting them, people who might even kill them. There was a lot of fear. That fear could lead the disciples to being hypocrites. To give lip service to following Jesus, but actually hide from following Jesus. Now Jesus knows this fear could make his his disciples hypocrites. So he tells them not to be afraid of other people. See, Jesus recognizes that other people could actually kill his disciples. The possibility of death was real. These people, they do have the power to kill. But there is someone who has so much more power than that, and that's God, the creator and sustainer of the whole universe, the God who is in control of every moment, every particle, every person, the one who determines where people will spend their eternity. After people have died, he will determine whether they go to heaven or to hell. So Jesus tells his disciples to fear God, not to fear other people, but to fear God. And I think that kind of fear isn't about being afraid. I think instead it's a a deep reverence, a deep respect. I think that fearing God isn't about being afraid because, well, Jesus says, he he tells his disciples not to be afraid. He reminds them about how great God's love for them is. He shows them how great God's love is by talking about sparrows, those cute little birds. God doesn't forget about the sparrows. He cares about them. And the disciples are people worth so much more than these sparrows. So God's love for the disciples is so much greater. It's a love where God ultimately saves these disciples. Soon, Jesus will die and rise again. And the disciples, except Judas who betrayed him, the disciples will be saved into eternal life. So why don't the disciples have to fear other people? Because even if they get killed... They are loved and protected by God. They should fear God and God alone. That's how they fight against hypocrisy. Let's read verses 4 to 7. From verse 4. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Fear of people can lead to hypocrisy. So Jesus tells them to fight against hypocrisy by telling them to fear God and God alone. 
And the third way to fight against hypocrisy, that third way is to know the outcome of hypocrisy. See, if the disciples are hypocrites, if they say they follow Jesus, but they turn away from him, then Jesus will deny them. Jesus will discern them before the heavenly courtroom of, of angels. But if the disciples aren't hypocrites, if they stay true to their word and do acknowledge Jesus, they'll be saved. Let's read verses 8 and 9. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever discerns me before others will be discerned before the angels of God. Now, sometimes people hear that and they, they panic. They think, I've said something bad about Jesus. I once didn't speak out about my faith. Will Jesus discern me? But Jesus isn't talking about once-off occasions. After all, Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times, but Jesus forgave him. So Jesus makes that clear. If you simply say something bad about Jesus, there still can be forgiveness. Because what matters is what's on the inside. What matters is a genuine faith in Jesus that leads to acknowledging Jesus before others. Jesus is incredibly forgiving. He will forgive anyone as long as they trust in him. So is there anything that can't be forgiven? Well, there actually is. It's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, people have all sorts of ideas as to what that is, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Some people, they look at the Gospel of Mark, and they say, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is attributing Jesus' power, Jesus' power to demons. That's a good option. I think what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, well, we can figure that out by seeing what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit's role is to witness to Jesus. The Spirit witnesses to Jesus through the Scriptures. The Spirit's descent on Jesus at his baptism testifies that Jesus is the Son of God. The Spirit works in us, in Christians, to show that Jesus is Lord and Savior. So the blasphemy of the Spirit is the continual rejection of the, Holy, of the Spirit's work. It's the persistent and deliberate rejection of the Spirit's witness to Jesus. It's someone who has weighed up all the evidence and they have set their mind on rejecting Jesus. I don't think Jesus is trying to scare his disciples about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. He encourages them instead. He tells them that he will give them the Holy Spirit to help them say the right things. He knows that they're going to soon face Jewish leaders. Those Jewish leaders will accuse them of wrongdoing. So he comforts them. He says that he'll give them the Holy Spirit to give them the words to say. Let's read of this in verses 10 to 12. Verse 10. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before the synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. That's the third way to fight hypocrisy. It's to know that hypocrisy leads to being discerned by Jesus. Hypocrites who say they follow Jesus but end up discerning him will be discerned by Jesus. But those who say they follow Jesus and really do it, they'll be saved. It's a long passage. We've looked at 30 verses together, so if your mind has wandered, I don't blame you. But now's the time to really come back and focus on what Jesus is saying to us. We looked at the end of chapter 11, 
we saw that Jesus condemns the Pharisees and the experts in the law for their hypocrisy. They focused on being, on appearing godly on the outside, but they were evil on the inside. Then in chapter 12, Jesus warns his disciples to be on guard against hypocrisy, and he gives them three ways to fight hypocrisy. Know that everything will be revealed. Fear God and God alone. And know that hypocrisy leads to being disowned by Jesus. All right, let's see what this means for us. I've got three points for us. The first is to rely on Jesus. The second is to be on guard against hypocrisy. And the third is to fear God and God alone. Rely on Jesus, be on guard against hypocrisy, fear God and God alone. Let's start with the first point, rely on Jesus. You might be a bit confused by that. After all, isn't this passage all about hypocrisy? Surely the first application point should be about not being a hypocrite. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, we're all hypocrites in some way. We've all said one thing and done another. We've all turned away from God. We've all hurt ourselves and each other. In some ways, we're like the Pharisees. We try to look good on the outside. But on the inside, there's a lot that's wrong. Anger, jealousy, sexual immorality, selfishness. You know, if there was a list of all the things that I thought, I'd try to hide it. I've thought some terrible things, things that make me ashamed. I don't want people to know exactly how sinful I am. And I suspect I'm not the only one like that here. We all have evil in our hearts. Jesus teaches us not to be hypocrites, but ultimately, we all fail. That sin in our hearts has a lot of consequences. There's guilt, there's shame, it leads to broken relationships with those around us. But ultimately, it separates us from God. If there's no change, that sin in our hearts leads to eternal judgment, eternity from God's presence. But there is someone who can change that, someone we've been reading about today, someone the whole of the Bible testifies to. In our passage, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. A few weeks ago, we saw that he's on his way to die there. He's not being suicidal, but he's on a mission. He's going to die as a sacrifice. He's going to take our sin on the cross. Our evil, our sin is taken up by him. And that means we can become righteous. Our identity is no longer found in our sin, which has been taken by Jesus. Instead, God sees us as righteous through Jesus. That's what's described in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, coming up on the screen. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's why we're to rely on Jesus. We can't rely on ourselves. We'll never be good enough by our own efforts. But Jesus died on the cross. He took the penalty of our sins. He gave us a new identity as a righteous child of God. Point one is to rely on Jesus. The second point is to be on guard against hypocrisy. Jesus showed us how dangerous hypocrisy can be. It's like yeast. It spreads and has terrible consequences. 
What happens to the person who was living in hypocrisy? Well, if they don't rely on Jesus, if they deny him, then he will deny them. Hypocrisy is dangerous because it can lead to eternity away from God. Now, in our lives, that hypocrisy can pop up anywhere. Here's where I've seen it. There's one day saying we should respect our leaders and the next day making fun of our politicians. Telling your children to be kind to one another and then saying a harsh word to your spouse. Complaining about people not listening to us and then not listening to those who we disagree with. I'm sure you can come up with a bunch of other examples. When hypocrisy isn't controlled, it grows like yeast. It hurts people. And it makes, that, makes the hypocrite desensitized to sin. Ultimately, it can make someone so ingrained in sin that they don't see the need for Jesus to save them from their sin. And they don't rely on Jesus. And they're destined for eternal separation from God. Jesus tells us to be on guard against hypocrisy. Now, at this point, it's helpful to remember the first point about relying on Jesus. We can try all as hard as we want to not be hypocrites, but we're not perfect. We are going to fail and be hypocritical sometimes. And so it's helpful to remember we're not saved by our own efforts. We're not restored to God because of how hard we fight hypocrisy. We're restored to God because of Jesus. And that should convict us to strive even harder against hypocrisy. We try, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we fail, but Jesus picks us up again. He's so forgiving, and so we try again. Point two is to be on guard against hypocrisy. The third point is to fear God and God alone. For the disciples, they were fearful of other people. They were fearful of persecution and even death. All these fears could lead them to being hypocrites, to doing things that didn't match what they believed in. Thankfully, here in Sydney, most of us aren't scared of being killed for our faith. But I think other fears do tempt us to be hypocritical and to not do what we think we should do. I shared about this at the start about how I'm sometimes scared about what others think of me. I think that's a big one for some of our members of our church. We're scared to share about our faith because we don't want people to think badly of us as well. There are other fears as well. Some Christians might be afraid about sharing their faith at work. It might prevent them from getting the next promotion, not getting the right client, perhaps even getting fired. Fear at work, of work, might prevent you from sharing your faith in the workplace. One friend shared with me about how he finds it hard to be a Christian during, or at work during pro-LGBT days. Wear a Purple Day, Light a Hobbit Day, the International Day Against LGBTQIA Discrimination. He's understandably fearful about being a Christian in the workplace. So I'll ask you a question. What fear prevents you from living out your faith? When Jesus was talking to his disciples, he recognized they might be afraid of death. And he didn't comfort them by telling them they weren't going to die. In fact, most of his disciples did die for following him. Instead, he told them to fear God, knowing that God was in control and that God cared for them. And I think that's the same for us too. We might be fearful of people thinking badly of us. We might be fearful of work because of our faith. 
Jesus doesn't promise that people will think well of us. Jesus doesn't promise us that we'll have secure jobs. What Jesus shows us is that it will be okay even if people think badly of us. It will be okay even if something in the workplace happens badly for us. Now, that's, that's not to say that being slandered for our faith is good. Those things are bad. Losing our jobs, that's bad. But if we truly follow Jesus, then we know that God does care for us. God protects us. God gives us what we need. Not necessarily what we want, but he gives us what we need. And ultimately, that's eternal life with him. It will be okay. So we don't need to be fearful of other things. We shouldn't let those fears prevent us from living out our faith. I have a friend, Steve, who doesn't let his fear stop him from living out his faith, from sharing about Jesus with others. He knows that it's okay if people think badly of him. He knows that God loves him dearly. So he shares about Jesus with others, with, with, with his friends, at his workplace, sometimes even out on the streets. He's genuine. He's authentic. He's a good reminder to me to be relying on Jesus, to be on guard against hypocrisy, and to fear God and God alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're sorry for our hypocrisy. We're sorry for our sin. We thank you so much that you've sent Jesus to take that sin for us, to make us righteous before you. So help us to rely on him. Help us to rely on Jesus. We pray you'd strengthen us to be on guard against hypocrisy. And we pray that you'd help us to to fear God, you. Help us to fear you and not others. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen.